This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. It's 2022, baby! How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? Are you guys rested and relaxed? <laughs> I feel like COVID was like, no relaxation for anyone. Yeah. Sorry, guys. They were like, wake up, Capricorn season is here. <laughs> no time for rest. <laughs> like, time for chaos, baby. You thought you were going to spend the holidays with your family. Not this year. Oof. Well, we hope you guys had an enjoyable season. And now 2022 means a whole new year of new pop culture debauchery. And... <laughs> hopefully a lot more women coming out on top i feel like as we talked about in our last episode of 2021 last year was a really good year for women in music just overall so i'm hopeful that that trend will continue i feel like there's no way it can't just because again it's like i think britney was like a a snowball that started rolling as long as justin bieber doesn't win more than one grammy we'll be okay only time will tell (laughs) but also speaking of just like music happenings in general if you guys missed it for december on our patreon we dropped an episode where we unpacked our spotify wraps and our like surprisingly yet unsurprising stats if you've been listening to our (laughs) podcast maybe you could have predicted what those were and we also just talked about like music trends in general and what type of stuff we're looking forward to in the new year so you can find all that stuff over on patreon.com slash name three songs and we do have a new patreon member joining us katie we're so glad to have you thank you so much for your support yeah i mean exciting things are always happening over at patreon and i feel like discussing our music taste is always fun because we spend so much time in our like pop culture rabbit holes about things that i feel like we're never actually discussing what we're listening to at this point in time yeah (laughs) k-pop k-pop and peach brc radio Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would truly be a whole different podcast if we just talked about what Jenna and I were listening to. I don't um, I don't even want, I don't, I don't want to think about it. It's like that's overwhelming. It, I have a complete mess. In my life. <laughs> so, Sarah, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about another overarching topic that comes up a lot in our podcast, which is this idea of role models and the pressure for especially women in pop to be role models to the young people who just so happen to like their music. Because as we've discussed in a multitude of episodes, no female who goes into music is expecting their fan base to be preteen and younger. You know, it's like if you're not joining up with the Wiggles or going on Nickelodeon or whatever, you're not 100% being like, ah, yes, I'm going to market myself to children. You know, that's never anybody's ultimate goal. But especially during like the late 90s, early 2000s, the music industry had so much power over who was marketed to and where music was going to that even if the musician wasn't expecting it, the music industry already knew what their plan was for this artist and who to market them to in order to make the most money off of them. Yes. And when things get a little messy, is when parents 
start thinking that musicians are their role models for their kids when they're really not. Yeah, it's a lot of like parental pressure that nobody signed up for, which I think is an interesting thing because again, like we've discussed in like especially our parasocial relationship episodes that we've done, people are always going to have, as I said, parasocial relationships with these artists that they enjoy because there can't really be a two-way street, especially for children now that we're in the world of social media who don't have access to social media, who don't have these options, you know, to feel like that artist is actually giving back to them in any way it's like the kid only gets what their parent is giving them access to and sometimes parents don't have as much control over their kid as others which isn't their fault you know parents have other things going on sometimes than like policing every single thing their kid does but when it becomes problematic is when a parent's not policing what their kid does but then is like how dare you be obsessed with this person their midriff is on show at all times yeah, and a lot of it, big surprise, ties in with slut shaming. Dun, dun, dun. But the thing about children and teenagers and role models is that it's completely normal for people to have role models to look up to, whether they know them in real life or not. As you guys know, we love to get into the psychology of it all, and we touched on some of this in our parasocial relationships episode. So we're going to do some refreshing. And we have an article from Child Mind Institute called Why Teenagers Obsess Over Pop Stars. They interviewed a psychiatrist named Dr. Alan Ravitz, who says, no matter the culture, teenagers need somebody to look to aside from their parents for guidance and a model for becoming an adult. In our culture, this is often a sports figure, an actor, or a pop star. And he continues on to say, adults may find it puzzling or even irritating, but it's not trivial. It's actually a part of the necessary work for healthy development. And they also quoted another study titled Adolescent Idolization of Pop Singers Causes Expressions and Reliance, which concluded that idolization of pop stars has unique characteristics for adolescents. It provides a basis for self expression, the construct of self-identity, and the achievement of independence. So once again, this is just proving that it's completely fine and normal to look up to people in the spotlight. It's fine and normal to have parasocial relationships with them. We want to hone in on the fact that this is normal and okay. But the part when it becomes abnormal is when people try and make these pop stars feel bad for existing outside of like their framework and understanding of who they are as a person just based off of their music and little to nothing else. And also to your point, the other part of it is blindly following someone, right? Mm -hmm. Of just whatever they do doing exactly that. And they're saying like to a certain degree, like it is normal to like want to model yourself after someone else. We all have people we look up to, even if it's something as simple as fashion inspo, right? We're like, that's a super... (laughs) dumbed down version of this of idolizing someone or looking up to somebody as a role model but you also can't follow them blindly yeah a hundred percent because i mean that's how people wind up in cults you know um which it always always comes back to is the false god narrative of it all um i mean you see jared leto and his weird cult like that happens even in music you know there Uh. always is that step too far where it becomes unhealthy for you and for that singer especially when it's in that realm of thinking. But also when it comes to role models, as we've said, parents seem to take issue with 
kids just being like, oh, Britney Spears is my role model. Oh, Perry from Little Mix is my role model because they go and look with the mind of an adult, which we talked about in our tabloids episode. And we've talked about in other episodes of like when you go into things with the mind of an adult and not thinking in the mindset of like your seven year old or your 12 year old or whatever, they have a seven year old and a 12 year old's mindset and understanding of what words mean and what dances can look like and what outfits are. They don't understand anything about sexuality and sex and unless you've taught your 12 year old about that, you know, but they still only have a child's brain understanding of what this is. And so there was this really interesting article on psychology today by Saul Levine MD in 2017 called Our Illusions of Role Models, Heroes and Idols. And in this, he makes this really important point, which is that when kids are young, like their first role models are going to be like their parents, their grandparents, maybe teachers or mentors at school or what have you, you know, people that they have relationships with, people that they have genuine one-on-one interaction with. And so Dr. Levine goes on to say they often idealize their mentor until the realization sets in that despite some exceptional talent, their role model is an quote-unquote ordinary person with attendant faults. And I feel like this is where there seems to be this misunderstanding or when parents go into this like fight or flight mode about their kid viewing somebody like Britney Spears as their role model because they're like, well, they don't know her one on one. So they don't have her being able to like explain herself or give context to things or whatever. But again, a small child is not paying attention to Britney Spears interviews on MTV or reading through the tabloids that you pick up as their parent in the grocery store, you know, they watch their music videos, maybe watch them on like New Year's Rock and Eve if you let them stay up. (laughs) But they don't have any other information about this person unless they're taking part in things that you as their parent allow them to watch. And so it's like Britney Spears can be both a philanthropist and somebody who's married to Kevin Federline. They don't negate each other, you know? Yeah, and if you're thinking like of as a kid, what you're seeing of these artists, you're probably like, oh, I really like their outfits or I really like this song. (laughs) You're not like deep diving on their personal politics of like... (laughs) idolizing them in that way i think it's just that that factor of and we actually we talked about this on our bonus episode on patreon but the disillusionment that sometimes comes with growing up and realizing people are people and they're gonna fuck up is that when you're a kid you don't know that people are gonna fuck up and so they're saying here like you come to a point where you realize they're an ordinary person and like they have a life like you and these types of things and with pop stars they're just put on this whole other level and this is also going beyond just the parents and the children this is something that the media does right the media Mm -hmm. the music industry us as fans everyone has a part in playing in this it's really like an ecosystem right because what we're saying here, the point that we're really getting at is that role models are part of human nature. Having role yeah. models is part of human nature. And when we have someone like pop stars who are literally, literally on a pedestal, literally on a stage above us being singled out and so many are witnessing them and loving them and following them, it creates this power imbalance as we've always talked about. But it's really like it comes down to all of our responsibilities of how we view them as a role model and how we decide 
decide to interact with that Mm -hmm. because I think throughout this discussion we're going to talk about the different levels here like as we're talking about like kids and parents but then like what role does the music industry play in this quote-unquote idea of a role model idea of the perfect pop star the perfect woman to be a quote-unquote role model for everyone like Mm -hmm. how did the music industry play into this and then now with social media how do we as fans play into this also yeah And I mean, in this article, Dr. Levine, I think, puts it really well and just very bluntly in saying there are no quote unquote perfect people. Our role models may have impressive characteristics and talents which can sweep us away, at least for a while, but we inevitably learn that they have weaknesses and faults. And I feel like that's what's important. It's just the tale as old as time, right? (laughs) It's like, uh, it's just one of these things that like we come back to again and again and again. And yet still, for whatever reason, it's almost like our human evolution is fighting our human nature. Like, we know people aren't perfect, but then, like, we expect people in the spotlight to be perfect. We expect Harry yeah. Styles to talk about, like, LGBTQ rights if he's carrying around a flag on stage, you know? But he's mm-hmm. not, but we're expecting him to be perfect in that way, you know? So it's like, this it's, yeah. it's the double-edged sword of it all. <laughs> but I think also the upsetting thing about it all is that what this really is showing is that parents seem to not have any faith in their children actually taking to heart the lessons that they're learning in school and from their parents and from their peers, you know, because if you are a good parent and you're teaching them things about the world, you would think at some point as a child, you might come home from school and be like, my friend did something that I think was bad, but I don't know if it was bad because every kid has like that other kid that is kind of their role model by accident, you know, like they would never refer to them as a role model or their hero. But there's always like that kid in class that you're like, oh my God, I'm going to copy everything they're doing. They're yeah. so cool. They're yeah. so interesting. And I feel like most kids have that situation where that kid does something that you know is not cool to be doing. And you go home and if you have a decent relationship with your parent, you're kind of like, hey, so Josh did this thing today and I don't know. I think it was bad, but he told me I should do it, too. And because Josh is the coolest kid on the playground, I did it, but I felt bad doing it. But I did it because he did it. And then you have like that lesson from your parents of like, if it feels wrong, don't do it. And then you kind of start to get that understanding of no matter how cool you think someone is or how smart you think they are. They're going to do something wrong eventually, but you can still like them. Just know that they have that ability to do something wrong, you know? And so the fact that I feel like most parents have had that conversation with their kids or just the guardian of that child, you know, the fact that they think that they wouldn't be able to understand that about Britney Spears or whomever just makes me feel like they, <laughs> like guardians don't trust their children to be able to understand human nature. Yeah. I mean, we have this really unhinged opinion piece from 2007 in Newsweek here. And essentially what we're talking about, like this Britney Spears example is it just comes down to a lot of misogyny. It just comes (laughs) down to a lot of like not letting women exist in all their possible forms. But yeah, let's get into some of the details here. This article we did briefly touch on in our episode about tabloid culture, which is how it came into our lives. And then we were like, oh, we need to do a whole episode unpacking this role model idea just to dive deep into this mess of an article, which was written by this woman called Kathleen Devaney. When I first read this, I wasn't paying attention to who the author was. And I thought a middle aged man wrote this article. Like that's how unhinged and misogynistic its tone is nope it was just 2007 
Like, I don't remember 2007 being this bad, but I guess it was the height of all of this nonsense, really. I mean, wasn't 2007 the year Britney shaved her head? Yeah, like, looking back on it, this was probably one of the worst years in pop culture towards women. But I guess at the actual point in time, when I was a teenager, I was so deep in pop punk that I just was like... (laughs) Yeah, you didn't. So just like, A great year for pop punk. A bad year for Britney Spears. P. Wentz is all over everything yeah. saying he's gay. <laughs> P. Wentz is famous, man. Life is great. <laughs> oh, my God. But so in speaking of these high expectations that adults seem to have for women in the spotlight who are in their late teens, early 20s, this article is basically coming from the perspective of a parent not knowing how to explain why these people that their children may possibly look up to are not acting in a way that children should act by having at the very start of this article the sentence of I didn't want to explain that Lindsay who like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears sometimes parties pantyless was taking pole dancing lessons to prepare for a movie role or that her two hours of research left her bruised everywhere And so, like, this is the tone of this article, like, to set the stage for you. (laughs) The tone of this article is consistently condescending of women behaving and acting as women and doing things that are normal for women, underline bold the word women, to be doing, which is just being youthful and doing things that aren't illegal. Also, just a lot of victim blaming and slut shaming here. I mean, the next paragraph says, like never before, our kids are being bombarded by images of oversexed, underdressed celebrities who can't seem to step out of a car without displaying their well-waxed private parts to photographers. Okay, clearly 2007 because... This woman was so affected. (laughs) Yeah, right. But also, like, the place where paparazzi, like, crotch shots are is probably not the place where children should be, number one. And number two, we're blaming the women here instead of the photographers who shot up their skirts. Yeah. Hmm. And this is a thing, and this is what this mindset that's so insane to us is, number one, why would the kids be digesting this type of pop culture? But number two, it's like, because, again, like I said earlier... Just because you as an adult have this knowledge of somebody that your kid is watching in movies or listening to their music doesn't mean that the kid has this knowledge of this person. And again, it's like you can be both an adult woman doing things that are questionable and like a completely acceptable person for your kids to be listening to their music and watching do some interviews sometimes depending on where the interview is done for. Because again, just because Britney Spears or Lindsay Lohan is out partying without their underwear on or getting drunk and being photographed with a strange man doesn't mean that the next day or the next week Britney or Lindsay isn't showing up to like a Disney special where they're hugging Mickey Mouse and like uh, kissing sick kids in the hospital you know it just they they can be both yeah exactly what you're saying is them in their real life versus them in their job right yeah their job is to be Lindsay Lohan on Herbie Fully Loaded their job is to be Britney Spears singing the hits you know (laughs) But then when they go home, they're Britney Spears, the person and Lindsay Lohan, the person. And then when they go to the club, they're them as themselves, not as the character or person that they're portraying as a pop star, as a movie star. Because really, as we've always said with pop stars, they show us what they choose to show us of themselves. Like we're Mm -hmm. never getting a 100% real image of this person because everyone has online personas. Us, we do, you know, but 
it's that idea that like, well, Lindsay Lohan's in this movie and my kid really likes her in this movie and my kid bought her CD and she really likes a CD, but Lindsay Lohan in real life is not the same person. It's like, yes, Lindsay Lohan in real life is not the same person and she doesn't have to be. Like, Lindsay Lohan as the brand can be one thing and Lindsay Lohan as the person can be another thing and that's okay. Yeah, it's just like how Roy from IT could possibly be a bodybuilder on the weekend and Ken from accounting could LARP on the weekends, you know, like their work persona is not their weekend persona, you know, they could have different enjoyments outside of what you stereotype them as in the office, you know, but sticking with this theme of adults, again, seemingly refusing to remove their adult mindset from people. Kathleen interviewed a first grade teacher named Julie Sabarowski, who at this time of reporting was an elementary school teacher in San San Diego. And she says that in her seven-year-old girl student, she'll see these girls using words like sexy and singing pop songs with suggestive lyrics and flirting with boys. And it's like, okay, number one, when you're seven, you don't know what flirting is. But also when you're seven, you do have a crush. When I was in preschool, I used to chase one boy trying to kiss him and another boy was chasing me while I was chasing the original boy trying to kiss me. Like, (laughs) we don't know what we're doing. We don't understand what any of it means. It's like, oh, I kissed my mom because I love her you're not like oh i want to kiss this boy because he's sexy like you don't know what that means you're a child and this is the thing it's like in every adult's life at some point you go back and you get that nostalgia thing and you go and you listen to an album you used to listen to when you were a kid and you're like wow this song was really really inappropriate but when you're a kid you don't know what's going on when the spice girls are being like if you want to be my lover (laughs) you know like you don't know what that means or like when britney spears is singing I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Like, you don't know what the implications are in these lyrics. You're just like, this is a fucking jam because you're a kid and just music brings you joy. Cuss words and all, man. Cuss words and all. Yeah, no, that's spot on. And Kathy goes on to write, Educators say they don't believe most girls in middle school wear short skirts or midriff shirts to attract attention from older men or even boys. Sixth graders dress to fit in with other girls and for acceptance in social groups. And she also interviewed somebody who works in communications at a school who says they dress that way because that's what they see in the media and they don't want to be different. They want to fit in. And so this is going back to the idea of what do young people see as like a role model factor in a pop star? And it's that Mm -hmm. like persona that they have it's the style they have and so if britney spears is setting the tone of like what is cool to dress in school you know because those girls are looking up to her in that way and they're like well well, britney's dressing like this i want to dress like this and then the younger girls are like oh those girls are dressing like this i want to dress like this they don't know any of the implications of the sexual objectification of it all. And this just goes to show in the mindset of the adult, it's like, oh, well, women dressing sexy is bad because they're dressing sexy for men, which first of all, takes away the autonomy from the woman themselves to have that Mm -hmm. choice to dress sexy for themselves. But also in 2007, I mean, like everything was overly sexualized for men. That's literally what our entire tabloids episode is about. Yeah. But it's like the adult is like, oh, Britney Spears is doing this for men but the kids don't know that the kids are just like Britney is cool I want to be like Britney yeah I mean like from my perspective there are so many photos of me from when I was a kid where I used to like tie my shirt up like Britney had it tied up in the baby one more time video because I thought that looked cool my parents didn't care they were just like it's hot outside 
do what you want. Or my whole wardrobe, I think when I was seven, was baby doll dresses because Baby Spice was my favorite Spice Girl, you know? You're going to do things and there are ways to do them so that they're child appropriate. And again, it's just like your parents' mindset has to be that of understanding that children are not adults and they don't have this knowledge. Like maybe don't give your children access to these people like (laughs) police what they're doing rather than policing these women and trying to tear them down because this is like a common thing was there were so many video interviews or video features with Britney Spears where Britney is saying how like she's uncomfortable being called a role model. There was even one video from 2000 where they went and like asked people what they thought about Britney's performance. And there was this one guy who was like, I thought she looked fantastic. But like if I had a 12 or 13 year old daughter, I wouldn't want her watching that or thinking that she should dress like that. Like that's not something that's good for a preteen to be watching. And then there was like this woman who said that if she saw Britney on the street, she'd tell her to think about those 12-year-olds who listened to her music and who saw her on the VMAs and to think what they're thinking because they probably think it's okay to dress like that, but it's not. And as Britney's watching this, she like quips back very quickly, like, I'm not their parent though. And I think that that's what's so important is it's like, even Britney is aware that it's not her personal job to be teaching these kids what they shouldn't and shouldn't be doing because Britney the pop star and Britney the human are two different people, two different things, but also part of being a pop star is having this uniform you essentially have to wear, you know, these looks you have to be wearing because number one, it's hot on stage, as we've talked about countless times. Like you have to be wearing things that are conducive for the movements you're going to be making, you know? So like, I feel like like a lot of what, you just said and what we're saying in all of this is like this very kind of what we now consider outdated or at least conservative mindset of like oh women have to be dressed a certain way to be respectable or to attract the right type of man or like not to date around too much not to sleep around too much like wait for marriage like all this stuff which we now which we now consider conservative or outdated but in this article too the writer goes on to say like Brittany, Paris and Lindsay have no shortage of boyfriends but seem to have few real relationships and then she actually interviewed a professor of sociology at notre dame who said it creates a general sense that life is about being crazy being kooky having fun and not caring on serious relationships and then they go on to say teenagers don't have enough perspective on how they are being formed by the world around them and when they don't realize it it can be more powerful so i think it's funny and maybe they're just like making statements about the culture at the time because that's like what a professor of sociology would do but i just Mm -hmm. think it's funny how conservative or old school their mindset sounds when they were saying these pop stars make it seem like life is about having fun (laughs) 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 it's not a bad thing but i think that it's just like that like oh you have to get serious about a job you have to get serious about your career all this stuff but also the more important point that they're making here is like teenagers are susceptible to like seeing that modeling that behavior and then going down the wrong path of drugs and partying. But this is the thing is it's like so many parents in Hollywood are essentially selling their kids to whatever factory they ship them off to, whether that be the pop star factory, the actress factory, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, yes, come make our family money, please. 
thank you. And so it's just so funny to me to uh, have this idea where, especially when you go to like the teenage route where people are like, oh my God, my teenager won't stop being obsessed with Paris Hilton. She needs better role models. And it's like, they're a teenager. You're clearly not policing them enough. Because they're st- they still live under a roof, potentially, if they're not in college, you know, like they're going to make their own decisions. But it's like since as we've also discussed in other episodes, it's like since the invention of the teenager, teenagers have been rebelling. Teenagers have been sticking it to the man in some way, shape or form. They've been doing things against their parents' wishes. They've been partying. They've been staying out late. Watching Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and Britney Spears go home with different guys every week or whatever it is they're seeing them do. Is it really going to change that much other than maybe be like, oh, if I become successful, I'll have more money to do this. And who doesn't want their kid to be successful? But like everybody at some point is going to go through some sort of rebellious phase. And you just have to hope as a parent that you have a good enough relationship with your kid and that you've taught them enough and that the people that you've brought them up around have taught them enough for them to not go balls to the wall insane. You know, I love that this turned into Dr. Sarah hour. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's parenting advice. (laughs) Just be a good parent and let them do what they want. Just don't be mean to your kids and love them unconditionally. (laughs) But so with all of this being said, because I feel like for most of us, like I as an adult, I feel like the term role model doesn't really exist in my vocabulary in the same way anymore. Like I'm not out here being like, oh, yes, Harry Styles is my role model because that that feels wrong. Like if there is somebody that I think is cool that's in pop culture, I feel like I view them more as an inspiration, whether that be in a creative way or whatever way it is. But I feel like the term role model feels so much more all encompassing and just like a very different idea than somebody being inspiring to you. I'm sure that they have way more similarities than they are. But again, it's just semantics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It is semantics because to me, it's like finding someone inspirational in a certain aspect or inspiring in a certain way is a role model in whatever that sector is. I think you're saying like a role model would be like encompassing like as a whole person everything they do it's a role model because I think it's like not a word that we use very often but like you really love their style or like you said like if they're a photographer and like the way they go about their photography like that in a sense like if you find it aspirational then it is a role model it's just that we don't really use this word as much in like in our in our daily language yeah 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 and so I think that because of that there is this correlation with like youths and their parents that ties in the all-encompassing terminology or idea of what a role model is. But also I think, and it's kind of been proven in the more recent articles that we found. So we have other journalists who are kind of agreeing with our frame of mind on this, is that because of the change that we've had, because of the addition of social media and access to people and also people's understanding of feminism, and all these other things, these people who are on these career paths where people would have parasocial relationships with them and thus view them as potential role models has changed because there's like a different need from these fan bases than there once was. And prior to these artists having this control over their personal narrative that they're given because of social media, artists really only got to speak their truth when they were doing interviews. And even then they were super PR trained and super like, you have to stay on like this 
storyline of who you are as a person. Like, these are the facts that you need to remember to mention, you know? While there definitely still is policing of these artists, it's not as strong. They're allowed to be more outspoken. And the line between persona and person in a job and real life human is a lot more blurred than it once was. So this idea of what a role model is, I think, is getting kind of diluted. And that's why I feel like a lot of people are like, this person's kind of inspiring my art in this way because of how they dress or this person's inspiring my look, but I've done my own twist on things, you know, whereas a lot of us when we were kids, we were like, oh, everything about Baby Spice I think is cool. I'm going to make my whole personality around the fact that Baby Spice is my favorite Spice Girl. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So essentially, I feel like what you're saying is that social media has both given power to artists to show the sides of themselves that they want to show, but at the same time, it's become more fragmented. And because we have more access to them, we can pick and choose the things that we see within people to look up to. Yeah, exactly. But also on top of that, it's like artists no longer feel as obligated to fit into the box that the industry people that they're working with are telling them that they need to fit into. And because of that, they're kind of catering their personalities or personas to what they know their audience is hungry for. So for example, like an artist like Lady Gaga, she really leaned into so much about herself because her fans, once she got fans, were like, we like this. And so then she ran with that rather than having to fit within that pop star box that had previously existed. Yeah. Essentially, we're moving the conversation from this just being like an issue with parenting to like the bigger issue of what are pop star role models and how has this changed? And of course, none other than our most beloved favorite journalist Laura Snipes has a beautifully put together opinion piece in The Guardian titled New Rules, The Destruction of the Female Pop Role Model. And so Laura is basically breaking this down like over time and what we're seeing recently with Billie Eilish. And this was written in 2019, like prior to her new appearance, just for context, is that we're going to talk about like Spice Girls, Britney, for example, early era pop stars, even before they were very much like put into a box of what they could be and what they couldn't be. And the Spice Girls definitely challenged the idea of the role model because they were very loud and very out there and they showed a lot of their personal lives to the media especially as we talked about in our Spice Girls episode and so this was kind of the beginning of the crumbling of the idea of a role model of it's like the industry was trying to hold on to this so much of here's what we can market here's what we can 
can't, you know, how much of their image can we control and have it be like this perfect thing that we can sell to people because that's what marketing is and that's how it works. And so Laura's like breaking down. It's like we go from that to nowadays we see pop stars know that they have a lot more control and a lot more say in all of this. And as Laura Snape's put it, this idea of what a role model should be and how a role model should act is essentially a con. And as we've seen pop culture evolve, as we've seen social media come into the picture, it's become more and more clear. I mean, even just like if you look through time, the more pop stars we have, as we've talked about this, like Britney was an example for Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish growing up, seeing what happened to Britney, learning from her mistakes. There's a perfect example of a role model, learning Mm -hmm. from her mistakes, both the good and the bad. And then being a different person from it. And so it's this evolution of every time we have a pop star who's treated in a different way, people learn from it and the other pop stars learn from it and they present themselves differently. Yeah, because I mean, even in regards to like the Spice Girls who we have a whole episode on, it's like depending on when you became aware of the Spice Girls, the Spice Girls seem like, especially to people like outside of England, the Spice Girls seemed like a super well-oiled machine of a girl group marketed specifically to children that existed in the confines of like their established idea of who they are as a person. So all the dolls and all the books and all the things sold about them them fit within that box, you know, and every issue that they're going through, such as going out and partying to their eating disorders, to their relationship woes is hidden from these kids who are just begging their parents to buy them the Barbies, begging their parents to buy them the lollipops, the temporary tattoos, like all of these products, you know, and so they very much existed within an industry machine, at least in that regard, specifically in America. But as Jenna was saying, it's like when you do have these artists like Britney at the time of her fame all these parents and people are like she's not a great role model because she's doing this she's doing that but if you get older and then you look back and then Britney is your role model after this all happens for somebody like Billie Eilish who barely existed throughout most of Britney's ups and downs like she now can learn from Britney and use her as the way kind of God intends for role models to exist you know as like learning from the good and learning from the bad because right. that's what you're supposed to do. Like, that's why people write books with flawed characters. That's why people have redemption arcs and TV shows and all these things is to show that people can change and people can grow so that people can understand that humans are multifaceted and that there's so many levels to them and that you as a person can look up to and view somebody as your role model, even if they are a flawed human, because flaws are what makes us human. Yeah. And that's definitely going back to like what I was just saying before, too, of like a role model is like the good and the bad, right? Yeah. And so continuing on the Spice Girls example, Laura Snapes writes, but given their fans youth and the sponsors that use Spice Girls to reach this youth, the Spice Girls also had a duty of responsibility. My question is, did they? Did they have a duty of responsibility? Or is this society's idea that they have a duty of responsibility? Because to me, the Spice Girls were like, (laughs) fuck that, man. Like, we're doing whatever the fuck we want to do. Like, the kids want to watch it? Cool. The kids don't want to watch it? Cool. The Spice Girls existed for themselves from everything that we've read. Nothing has, like, pointed me to them, like, saying, we're doing it for our fans. (laughs) Like, nowhere did I see that in any of their (laughs) interviews. And so I think this duty of responsibility, this idea of the role model is what I was 
was talking about at the very beginning of this episode is this is the cultural idea of the role model, the cultural idea of responsibility of the Spice Girls never claimed that. It was the idea that they had to have it because of the position they were in. Yeah, like as you're saying, it's like there still is, no matter what article you're writing or what mindset you think you have, there still is that inclination to feel like that original understanding of what a role model is supposed to be of like having this duty to fit within a certain mold you know it's like you need to completely take that away from your mindset because just because you're being marketed to kids or just because you're on a kid's show it doesn't mean that you can't be a real person in your real life but also again even though the Spice Girls were heavily marketed to children their songs aren't for kids they're yeah. not teaching them anything they're not doing those things it's like there is music that exists that is specifically for children and most of that music teaches you how to tell time like tells you a story about friendship you know like these very specific very straightforward stories exist in songs that are made specifically for children whereas the Spice Girls were just marketed to children they did not exist specifically for them yeah and I mean the Spice Girls are definitely a unique example because not everyone is marketed to children they just happen to have child fans but Mm -hmm. with the Spice Girls it's like in that way none of this was ever really their fault or their doing there were industry people here who were doing things behind the scenes who were actually way more at fault than uh, the Spice Girls were but nobody's blaming them because nobody knows who they are yeah and I mean Laura makes a really good point in this article when she's discussing Britney about how when Britney's kind of pitched to the world she's pitched in a more quote unquote cyborgian way and so as we've t- discussed before like Britney's pitched as this like virgin like she's the cute girl next door she can do no wrong but this follows her forever because it kind of sets her up for failure which Laura points out here because you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to fall of like, oh, she's been dating somebody for a while. When's a sex tape going to come out? When are they going to be talking about their relationship? When are they going to be acknowledging that they are adults, you know? And it's the same thing of even while Britney is giving this girl next door, nice girl, you know, idea, every interview that's done of her is acknowledging her body and just like her femininity in this way that shouldn't be acknowledged when somebody is as media controlled as Britney was, you know? And so again, it's like putting you in this box of expecting you to be a specific type of role model, but not actually letting you be that because the world is just waiting for something to happen. And so Laura goes on to explain how Britney's 2007 breakdown revealed that the cost of living as a virtuous cipher and being expected to repress her womanhood essentially like led to her downfall, led to her having this breakdown because she was expected to repress her womanhood in in order to sell to like the prudes of America, which was really what was happening is these parents are like, oh, finally, this goody two-shoes girl that I can give to my kids to digest, to have fun with. And then it's like, eventually she's going to want to become a woman. And they weren't ready for that. So Laura's just like whole synopsis of this Britney thing, like really unlocked something for me in my brain here because she goes on like, in addition to her talking about how she had to repress her womanhood to sell to American prudeness, she then goes on to say her shaved head and aborted stints in rehab prompted industry hand wringing. And so the illusion of the music business offering greater freedom and care for pop girls emerged in her wake. So essentially, this was my revelation here of they were controlling Britney's image so tightly 
that for her to have her downfall showed us a lot behind the curtain about the music industry. It was like all the girly pop stars had to be so perfect because if they weren't, it showed us that the music industry was doing something wrong. The music industry was behind the curtain pulling the strings the whole time. And it took us a long time to figure that out too, right? But now we have a much clearer picture of what this is. And she's saying that it's an illusion of the music business offering a greater freedom for the next girlies who are coming in in their wake. Because I was just thinking about this as you were talking of Britney was like a very prim and proper pop star. Then I was trying to think after Britney, who was like quote unquote perfect pop star? Because we had like the Disney era, Miley, Demi, Selena, who were still very groomed and they were like Mm -hmm. teen stars. And then they turned into teen musicians and like pop stars that way. But like, we haven't really had a very groomed pop star since then, I think. I mean, because like- I don't think so. And, and like being someone who was young too, right? Because I mean like yeah. Billie Eilish, she was very young, but she was with her family. She wasn't an industry product. And of course, you know, we can debate the in the whole industry product thing, but I just mean that like she's been able to stay true to who she was and not have to like comply with these boxes. And then the other person who comes to mind is Dua Lipa, who was like an adult when she got famous. So that was very mm-hmm. different also. So it's like since Britney, it's like they tried to replicate that with like the Disney era because those eras were super close together still. It's like, We hadn't fully understood the repercussions of what happens with Britney by time Miley Cyrus was getting famous on Disney Channel. So I think it's like they tried to redo that with them and then they realized it wasn't going to work because we've done an episode on them. We've talked about all their lives and their mental health and everything, all the struggles that they went through. It just seems like every next pop star we start to have, it's just showing more and more and more. We cannot continue to like conform ourselves into something we are not. We cannot continue to repress our womanhood to repress our mental health, to repress us literally just being human beings. And I think that's led us to what we have today and what we have with social media now of people wanting to see everything. Now it's like flipped the exact opposite way. That's again, like why this idea of a role model has changed so much is because I think that as a larger percentage of the general public is becoming more aware that these pop stars exist outside of their jobs because of social media, because of this access that we've been given to them and so because of that there is so much less of the expectations of people to always be prim and proper always be putting on a show you know because we see them sharing photos of their dogs or sharing photos of them crying and being open about their mental health struggles or their struggles with their body image or what have you, you know? And so I I think kind of after specifically the kind of downfall of Miley that proved that there was no longer a way to hide the fact that these women existed outside of the idea of who they were to the public, you know? Because when Miley was existing as a teenager once she was like a little bit older and like hadn't broken out of Disney Channel yet. As we've talked about in the Miley episode and just our Disney episode and a lot of episodes, it's like the paparazzi and these people are like, any day now, she's going to start being problematic. We need to be there to break the story. And so they exist specifically to break the illusion, you know? And so when all of the stuff was going around about her I think it was like smoking salvia on her tour bus or whatever. And those got leaked and then other things are getting leaked. You know, all of a sudden, Miley as a role model, a Disney Channel created role model at that stops existing because you have to admit that Miley Cyrus 
is a teenager getting into trouble. Yeah. And I think that that really was the catalyst for this change of what a celebrity role model is and should be and can be because we have to start admitting that they have flaws. We have to start coming to terms with the fact that they are people outside of their jobs and that now we have the hunger for that access, but also they're giving us that access. And so it's like, can we be okay with this when they're giving us access, but we're also finding out other stuff that they're not giving us access to sometimes, or they're just being completely open with that, you know, because just because Miley smokes weed or whatever's going on doesn't mean that she's also not a good person, which is the common thing that I keep coming back to is it's like, you can be a good person who makes dumb choices. You can be a good person who does something that other people don't agree with. Like you can be both a person who does charitable things and is a good friend and has people's backs and cares about kids, but you can also want to party and have one night stands and like have a new boyfriend every other week, you know? Yeah, you said you just made like a lot of really, really great points of Miley being the catalyst for this like basically social media era of knowing pop stars in a different way. And Laura Snape's also wrote about this it's the illusion of intimacy and it's Mm -hmm. led to a greater emotional investment on the behalf of fans but also an expectation of accountability so these are like we're seeing these big words right responsibility (laughs) accountability the illusion of things and she goes on to say like social media was being used to arbitrate social justice issues giving long overdue platforms to marginalized voices and establishing far more complex moral standards for pop stars than the executives who shilled Britney's virginity could ever have imagined. And so it's such a powerful tool. It's given so much power back to the artists themselves to to share what they want to share, to share their own stories. But at the same time, it's now given us an entirely new set of moral and ethical standards. And as Laura mentions, like she brings in social justice and marginalized voices right here. It's like now, especially, especially in the past few years, like now because you have this platform to speak about social justice, you're expecting expected to and we go back to this a lot too right Mm -hmm. of people expecting you to perfectly say every single thing to perfectly have your thoughts formed when it's like if you're not studying whatever social justice issue is because there's a lot there's so many so there's no way you can (laughs) truly be an expert in this unless this is like your degree right yeah so people expect you to be eloquent on every single topic when it's a learning process like pop stars are not the most you know eloquently spoken people sometimes and it's just so interesting how she highlights this and compares it to like the executives who were like you know holding up britney's virginity as a prop they're so different from each other but they Mm -hmm. demand different things and again this goes back to the picture of the cultural zeitgeist of what we as a society have decided role models are and should be yeah and I think it also comes back to another thing that we talk about a lot of this idea of political correctness and how political correctness has become so over the top that sometimes when people think that they're helping or think that they're being a positive social justice warrior, which feels impossible to be both at once, like you wind up coming back on yourself and actually kind of battling something on the wrong side when you don't think you are. And so 
we have this thing where it went from kind of parents being like, this person's not being a good role model for my kids to people being like, my favorite's not doing what I expect them to do and therefore I'm canceling them or therefore I'm not going to support them as much anymore. I'm going to try and make them acknowledge that they're doing this. And so we've even seen, and Laura uses this as an example of artists like Lily Allen who will have a comeback and people will not understand the time frame in which their music originally existed and what was normal and accepted in pop culture and new people will find their new music, which is more forward thinking or what have you, and then go back to their back catalog and be like, oh my God, my new fave was like maybe racist or was maybe singing about things they shouldn't have been singing about or whatever the case may be. And so it's like having to make up for stuff that you did in your past, which wasn't viewed as bad, but now people hold people to a higher standard and are like, everybody has to be this perfect idea of something because we have so much more access. And so it's it's just this weird thing where it's kind of turned on its head where a lot of people have become more aware of how human these pop stars are, whereas fans are holding people more accountable. Yeah, it definitely has given more power to the fans to hold people accountable. But I also think like another interesting point that Laura makes here is it's not always the prim and proper pop star that gets hurt because she goes on to talk about Kesha and I thought this was really interesting of like she says Kesha had helped instigate this decade of greater freedom for female musicians or so it seemed until 2014 when she sued producer Dr. Luke making allegations of sexual assault she claimed that she was told she had to be fun an image that Luke's label intended to capitalize on revealing how revelry can be just as confining as its prim counterpart and so here it's like even when we have pop stars breaking the mold. And I mean, this was also like, what, 2010s when Kesha got really big, 2011. Yeah. So it still was like a good 10 years ago and we still were not having these cultural conversations. But it's like, even when you have a quote unquote pop star who's not doing the norm of Kesha was very much the party girl, whatever. She was being forced to be the party girl. Like it was the yeah. same thing. She was not a conventional role model by any means. And yet, it was the label who was positioning her as this and like forcing her to be this thing. Because there's always roles to be played. There's always the virgin and there's always the whore, you know? There's always these opposite sides of coins that people want to have because we like to see people seemingly being at odds with each other, even if they're not verbally at odds it's like oh Britney and Kesha would never hang out or like oh Kesha and Lady Gaga would never be in the same place because Lady Gaga is doing it for the gays and Kesha's doing it for the party sorority girls when they both were just doing it for the gays you know <laughs> it's just like these things where so much that exists exists with this mindset of doing things specifically for like this general public sort of idea that people don't really think about what fans like or what people who actually spend money are going to be wanting to give their money to and what people's interests are and all that sort of thing. And it's just like this constant pressure from every angle, you know, to exist within some sort of confines, even in the world of social media where 
we're given the illusion of walls coming down. But as it's been proven by how many famous people suck at TikTok, like when there is an app that specifically exists for walls to be down, people prove that even social media had walls up and it was all kind of contrived in some way or another to continue to work with the new realm of how people look up to people and how people develop their parasocial relationships. Yeah, so essentially what seems like an easy answer of you're not being a good role model is not an easy answer because there's so many factors at play here. Like both on the industry side, the fan side, the social media side of it all. Now, like it's just ridiculous. And one kind of funny example here that we found an opinion piece in this publication called Scary Mommy is that sometimes musicians make songs that appeal to kids like Old Town Road, for example, but they're not the intended audience. But once the songs become popular with kids, then the parents make these musicians into something that they didn't necessarily ask for and it's not that little Nas X can't be a role model it's just that he never claimed that he wanted that kind of responsibility and so it's like coming back around to it even now even in 2019 when this song came out there's still like the kid parent side of this role model conversation mm-hmm. too right yeah. um, and I just thought this was like a really interesting and funny example because it this puts it in like a much different light too of like Old Town Road is like a funny gimmicky song there was even like an animated video to go with it I totally understand how kids would be into that but it's like yeah. little Nas X as we know now as we know Lil Nas X is probably not kid content and he never claimed or tried to be a role model he never claimed or tried to be for the kids but it's also not to say that he can't be it's just as we've said like there's certain content that's like kid appropriate and kid not appropriate yeah because kids are gonna like a song with a catchy chorus and a good beat you know because kids just hear something and they're like oh this is joyous and fun and they cling on to it and again like this mom is writing about how she keeps an open dialogue with her kid and kind of explains to them like this person is doing a job what else they're doing like might not be for you you know because it's like a kid could easily listen to most of Lil Nas X's music especially if he makes clean versions like a lot of artists they can listen to the like quote unquote clean versions of their songs you know if they're not watching the visual content that comes with it and they don't have these other things like there were so many artists that I grew up listening to that I wasn't watching their music videos or paying attention to that stuff because my parents probably knew that it might not be necessarily that appropriate for me to be watching like I was listening to Blink-182 when I was like 10 was I watching Blink-182 content was I being taken to their concerts no was I being taken to Britney Spears concerts yes so it's like just understanding that there can be aspects of somebody that you can look up to or enjoy without fully understanding who they are. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And also just to continue on the male role model example, because we've been talking a lot about women today, as we do on this podcast. (laughs) But Sarah found an article titled Miley Cyrus and the Death of the Female Role Model in Dazed by Britt Dawson in 2019. And Britt makes this point to expect our pop stars to uphold a certain standard of living, no drugs, no sex, no fun, is not only unrealistic, but is also very gendered phenomenon. The public hedonism of rock and roll artists like Mick Jagger and Pete Doherty is romanticized and comes with the job, of course. But Cyrus, quote, ripping a bong, loses her a big money deal. So this is like the double standard that we always talk about here of it's like women are upheld to these ridiculous standards. They're constantly compared to being role models, but 
men are much less compared to being role models. Like I'm sure like Mm -hmm. people definitely look up to like male quote unquote pop stars, right? But I don't know what the cultural conversation is about that with children. Well, because the idea of masculinity is so much different than the idea of femininity because with masculine thing, it's like, oh, it's cool when guys have lots of girlfriends. Oh, it's cool when guys are being big men and being loud and being crazy. You know, it's all these tropes and it's the same thing of Britt goes on to give even more examples about how Amy Winehouse for example was open about her struggles with addiction but she was still getting shit for being on drugs and being drunk on stage and all those things and she compares Amy Winehouse and her full disclosure on her addiction issues with another British artist called Slow Tie and Slow Tie is very known for being debaucherous and crazy he was completely insane at the Enemy Awards a couple years ago where he he was on stage and he was cursing and yelling and touching up the host who's a Canadian English comedian called Catherine Ryan and he's doing all these completely out of pocket things but people weren't really that mad at him until Catherine Ryan made a statement being like that wasn't fucking cool dude because men are just expected to be debaucherous and drunk on stage you know mm. and so while these guys definitely are role models I feel like it's so much more common to hear young boys say that they look up to sports stars than it is to hear young boys say that they look up to musicians like it's not as quote-unquote expected but again it's like the idea of masculinity is so far from the idea of femininity that I think the expectations of what a man is doing is going to have a bit more wiggle room Mm, yes of course of course how could I forget (laughs) (laughs) yeah it makes a lot of sense that it's like they get away with doing so much that's just seen as the norm or just seen as cool that people don't even think twice to question it as whether or not it's for kids yeah but I think the one really interesting thing about all of this is that time and time again when we see this idea of role model being thrown around in conversation it's because musicians specifically female musicians are saying how much they don't want to be referred to as a role model, how much that title feels like a lot of pressure on their shoulders, how this is something that they never asked for and that they weren't expecting, and that there's just a lot of pressure on you once somebody is like, you're a role model because we're always taught that role models have to be picture perfect. We're never taught that role models can be flawed humans. And as we said earlier with the Billie Eilish looking up to Britney Spears example, at some point in life when you as somebody who's looking up to someone is mature enough, you understand that a perfect role model is somebody that is both good and bad. And by bad, I mean just a flawed human. Yeah. Going back to this point of like the good and the bad, it's like, why why are we still having this conversation of like, we know humans make mistakes or allowed to make mistakes. I think it's like, there's so many different viewpoints, even within a fan base of what Billie Eilish should be doing, what she mm-hmm. should be doing with her body or whatever else that she's always going to get criticized, you know? Yeah. Like we collectively as a world cannot accept that people are going to be both good and bad for whatever reason. We always have to criticize somebody for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like especially in fandom culture, I think that if you're not within fandom culture, it it seems like people tend to have an easier time differentiating and understanding that humans are flawed, you know? But when you're so deep in 
to something and so invested, I feel like people start to feel like they hold stock in this human's career and their life. And so it's that thing of being like, well, I pay your bills, so do X, Y, Z. And so they are viewing this person as human, but they're also viewing them as a product that they're putting their time and energy and money and effort into. And so they're kind of viewing it as if they are like a key member of the team if that makes sense. And so they're being like, oh, I expect XYZ from you because you've done ABC before. And since you're not doing XYZ, we're going to keep demanding it until you do it because we've been taught that bullying people on the internet works sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% spot on there. Like of people's expectations of people thinking they have ownership of people thinking they're part of the team. That's like literally it because they think that the person exists just to please them. And now because of social media, Billie Eilish, the brand can't step away from Billie Eilish, the brand unless she is literally not online as Harry Styles does. Harry Styles, like the persona and Harry Styles, the person, we have no idea who Harry Styles, the person is because he doesn't show us any of that. But like, with somebody like Billy who like does show a little bit more of her personal life on social well like I don't think she does anymore but like it's that thing of like the more you give as a person to your brand the more people are going to take but it's really interesting just thinking of it within the k-pop model because k-pop idols know they exist for the fans to please the fans like yes yeah. they have their own autonomy and wanting to have goals and striving to be the best artist they can be but they know this is a job and the fans know this is their job too <laughs> and yeah. so it's it's almost as if the social contract with k-pop is almost more defined in a way that there's less of this role model type issue of you're not doing what I want you to do. So the way that you've explained K-pop to me and the fan dynamic and this idea of owning a piece of something or whatever, it's kind of like K-pop is a GoFundMe project where these fans are putting in their money to get something in return in a sense. And I feel like a lot of fans view most artists as essentially a GoFundMe project where they're like, I'm putting in my money and putting in my time. Therefore, you need to do X, Y, Z for me because you wouldn't have your whole career if it wasn't for me. And most musicians are just like, no, that's bullshit. Whereas K-pop seems, at least from what you've explained, that K-pop knows that without fans, they would have nothing. So sometimes you're going to have to do what fans want you to do because you're kind of in a business endeavor together. Whereas these more Western artists are very aware that, yes, they need to please their fans, but there is only so much that they can do because they are still an autonomous human. Yeah, yeah. No, I think your synopsis of that is spot on because I'm not saying that K-pop is any... Like, K-pop definitely has its faults, right? Like, it's not perfect. And I'm not saying that it's better than the Western model. I'm just saying that Mm -hmm. it's so interesting how it's similar but different of both fans, idols, and company know this is a business. We're here to make money and we're here to serve fans what they want to be served. Whereas in America, it feels like the artist is struggling for that autonomy and struggling to be their own individual because fans are like, no, you're a business, you exist for me. And the artist is like, no, I'm not. Yeah, because it seems kind of like when people agree to do K-pop, there's so much work that goes into becoming even a band that gets to debut to the public, you know, whereas especially America, 
like artists don't necessarily have all of that behind the scenes training time or all these things like when they go into this their first thought is never oh at some point somebody might view me as a role model their first thought is I want to be a singer and I want this to be my job I want to be successful at this but they're not taught about this role model thing and there was this article on people that kind of compiled a bunch of quotes from celebrities discussing this idea of role modelism so to speak and they pulled a quote from Selena Gomez speaking to E! Entertainment on a special about her where she said that I never really said I want to be a role model, but then when it happened, I was down for it. But she goes on to explain that while she was ready and willing to take on the role of being a role model. She's still human. Therefore, she's not perfect. And she goes on to say, I make mistakes all the time, but I guess my job is to keep those mistakes to myself, which I'm already fine doing and just try to be the best I can for those kids. And this is the thing is it's like, again, as we keep saying, being flawed is a normal human thing. And the fact that Selena at such a young age felt like any mistake she made had to be kept to herself. That must be so exhausting when you just wanted to do something because you were passionate and excited about it and never once really thought about being a role model. We're never in that mindset. And then one day someone's just like, you're my role model. All of a sudden you have to either have a mindset shift or every time it's brought up, you're just like, I don't view myself as a role model. So there's two routes, you know, But both routes sound very difficult to really deal with, you know? Well, I mean, the other thing is not wanting to show your mistakes makes sense because we know what happens to women in the spotlight who make mistakes, right? Like the media has a field day. But it's almost like we talked about how labels or management companies, whoever, like the teams that are working with these stars need to give them more support and training and just like help (laughs) and maybe this whole role model conversation is part of that like helping them navigate this because they don't know how to do it and I don't know like just thinking of the k-pop mindsets like they go into it knowing they're going to be role models period and it's like I think the thing is like in western it's like it's never guaranteed you're going to be big whereas like in k-pop it's not guaranteed you're going to be an idol but when you debut as an idol it comes with this checklist of things and in America there's a checklist of things when you look at somebody like Billie Eilish but you don't know when you're going to get to that stage and a lot of those things come a lot sooner than you may even realize like when you're signing up for disney channel you may not realize suddenly you're going to be idolized by tens of thousands of kids but you are but like nobody prepares you for that yeah and i think taylor swift said it best when she talked to glamour uk in that there's room for role models who make mistakes and i think that that is just a perfect point to make and just the important thing to constantly have in our minds when we're looking up to people and when we get disillusioned by our faves. And even personally, like when I'm like, oh, Harry Styles said this dumb thing and now I'm just like, oh, he's a rich man. I don't like that. You know, (laughs) it's just being okay with disillusionment and being okay with understanding that your fave is not always going to meet the marks that you want them to meet and they're not always going to stay within the confines of this idea that you have for them. And sometimes they're not going to be a perfect role model. Sometimes they're not going to do everything you want them to do because you personally look up to them or think that they're somebody to emulate, you know, because again... (laughs) 
as we keep saying, nobody's perfect, but there needs to be space for imperfect people because that's the only way the world is going to ever sort its shit out, you know? Yeah, and my closing thought here is like, it's kind of ironic having Taylor Swift say this because while yes, she has had instances in her career that have made headlines, (laughs) she is very calculated in what she shows the world. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mistakes she's made that she doesn't show the world, but she's saying... Other people can do it. Maybe just not me. But this is the thing. It's like every pop star, nobody wants to show their mistakes unless it it's like already out there and then they have to cover up for it, you know? Because nobody yeah. wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to be the butt of the joke. Nobody wants to be like criticized on tabloid headlines. It's kind of like a lose-lose situation for everyone involved. And I think as weird as it is to say this, the artists right now who are like this, I would say more like micro or even just like influencer types are probably the ones who are being the most real as far as like the the artists who have like big social media followings and they're super into like sharing their lives on social media but like it's always going to be filtered but they're probably being the most realistic with us over these big pop stars like these pop stars are like hiding lots of their lives from us right Yeah, yeah. You've made some good points there. It's just always interesting to think about. And I think for you guys, like what I'm personally really interested to hear from y'all, if you have thoughts about this, is just was there a point in time where you kind of started to realize that the people you were looking up to, the people that you aspired to be like, weren't perfect and that they were going to make mistakes? And did that make you question things or did that make you realize even more so how much you had in common with your favorite person and realize that maybe someday you? You could be a role model to somebody or that that everybody is way more similar than we like to think because the world puts pop stars and people in the spotlight on like a pedestal to some extent. So if you have any thoughts or feelings about that, we'd love to hear from you. You can come chat with us over on social media. We are at name three songs. And as per usual, if you have any personal beef with anything Jenna or I said, you can come at us personally. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. So thanks for joining us this week on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to have a role model don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit name3songs.com everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.